Hi, good day. Welcome back to Secrets of the Cell. I'm super excited to finally, uh, after COVID, finally see you guys again. And I have some amazing guests. So this is actually a subject that a lot of people are asking about and talking about and trying to figure out what's going on. And we're talking about landlord-tenant situations and what's going to happen now that uh, the moratorium is going to be lifted, what's going to happen with cases, uh, people who are unfortunately not able to pay their rent. So we have two amazing attorneys here. We have Nussan Abrams to my right, and we have Lisa Faham Selzer to my left. And uh, they are both very, very experienced with uh, landlord-tenant law. And uh, Nussan and I, we met at a, uh, actually we met through a mutual colleague of ours, uh, who is also an attorney. And we actually, the, our first meeting, we you did a case, a landlord-tenant case, uh, and he actually came very highly recommended. And then his name kept kept coming up in different scenarios. So, uh, and then he actually also introduced Lisa to me, who uh, she, he said, well, I'm going to give my the exact words. He's like, Lisa is a beast in the courtroom. <laughs> In a great way, in a great way, that. meaning yeah. that if she's representing you, you know that your right. chances of winning is very, 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 very likely. <laughs> so um, now the first question is what everyone is asking. When is the moratorium going to be lifted? Lisa. So we just got news today from the chief administrative judge that the moratorium on evictions is extended through October 1st. So there will be no evictions until then. Okay. Um, if you had asked yesterday, it would have been September 4th. That was signed by Judge by um, Governor Cuomo, but it was just extended this morning okay. by memo. Great, great. I wanted to add that I, either way, whether it's September 4th or October 1st, I, I really don't think that's going to uh, be... It's it's definitely not September fourth anymore, but it's definitely not going to be October first. I think it's going to be extended again, mm -hmm. and because I don't think that anything's going to change between now and then, we've we've flattened the curve, and the, the 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 judges are still concerned that the courtrooms are going to be packed and we're not going to properly social socially distance. So even if the, even if we have a vaccine by then, it's not going to be enough. I cannot imagine that everyone's going to be vaccinated. Um, to, and ready to go for the courtrooms to be open to full capacity. And that's very important because um, in order to do an, uh, to do an eviction, you, the, the tenant has to have the ability to come running back to court and do an order to show cause to stop his eviction. And if he's not allowed in the courthouse then to, to stop his eviction, then we cannot evict. So um, I don't think that it's going to I don't think October 1st is going to, I wish it would be real, but I, I think that's going to be extended past that. Uh, if you want to be political, maybe to November 4th, but even mm -hmm. probably past that. So uh, that's that's my take on it. Okay. I tend to agree. Okay. Okay. So uh, like, what is the new normal time frame of an eviction proceeding from beginning to end, like for a, typ a typical case for a non-paying tenant case? We have no idea. Basically, okay. we cannot, we've been filing new cases. Okay. Um, the courts have allowed us to file new cases, but we haven't received any return dates. So basically the court accepts our filing, but does nothing with it. Mm. So right. we file the cases, we don't have return dates. Any pro se cases that are currently in existence mm -hmm. are stayed, um, meaning they're not going forward. And the only cases that are going forward are two attorney cases, mm -hmm. but they've basically stalled out as well. So we have no idea how long things are going to last. So when you say they're not going forward, what do you mean? Um, meaning the courts have, the pro se cases, mm -hmm. 
the courts have literally stayed them, meaning okay. they've marked off the calendar. We have no return date in sight, wow. and they're not going anywhere. Wow. In the best case scenario, yeah. first of all, I mean, the, the the two attorney cases are, it's a joke because so far my experience is that just, the, I do a teleconference with the, the judge and the attorney on the other side, and it just keeps, it just keeps getting adjourned. Mm-hmm. It's adjourned another two weeks, another two weeks. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's just a little crazy. But let's say, let's say in the best case scenario, right. everything would just start um, not in August or September. I would say, like, let's be a little conservative here. Let's say everything would just start up in October, right? On a non-pay, I cannot see it ending uh, with all the, after exhaustion of all the stays and all the eviction stops, as we call them, orders to show causes. I cannot see a non-pay ending before June 2021. And a holdover, which in, we're, we're trying to get rid of the tenant, yes. not for the money. The, the the most important part is just getting possession. Right. Um, December 2021, give a month, uh, give or take a month or two here and there. Wow. You know, it's, it's that's, just, that's, a, that's in the best case scenario. That's a very yeah. long time. Yeah, it's nothing to be happy about. No, I mean. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know landlords are, wow. They're going to be livid. Um, So are you doing virtual cases now? Just on two attorney cases. Okay. They have have, um, virtual appearances that are calendared by the court, but mostly they're just settlement conferences. There are no trials going forward. There's no... The only cases that are going forward are cases that are brought in the HP part for repairs. Um, those seem to be moving along. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Those are against it. landlords. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, but that's so. about it. Um, I don't see trials going forward anytime in the near future. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is your wildest case? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I have <laughs> I have three, but I'll try to make it short. Uh, the, the one one very quick one was um, this woman who was. Unfortunately, she was getting. She was older, and as she got older, she was losing her um, cognitive abilities, and she started throwing uh, feces out the window. And eventually, I mean, I did. We did everything possible. I, I was, I was hired by um, a guardian, a guardian ad litem to defend her, but there was only so much we could do to, to, to keep her in her apartment. She really needed to be in a home, and thank God that that worked out smoothly. That she got into a home before she got evicted, but. That's really that was my quick wild case. The other two cases that I, I dealt with actually happened at the same time. One happened in Kings and one happened in Queens. And um, my clients were very similar. They didn't know each other. They're very similar and uh, dealing with very sim- almost very similar circumstances. The only thing is that one case ended after a few months, and the other case is still from 2016, late 2016, early 2017. It's still active. It's still so. Um, from 2017 till present. Yeah. So the both the cases um, involved a, a, someone selling a house and someone someone later claiming that they really owned the house or or or, or some or similar. So the the house in Queens was the father sold the house to my client and the son comes with some deed that he never filed saying here's a deed I own the house. Um, we did a licensee case against him. That licensee case is on uh, it's it's off calendar and stayed. To, to deal with his deed, whether it's fraudulent or not. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I was dealing with this, uh, and 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 thirty five forty thousand dollars later in legal fees 
to my client. I mean, and we got nowhere with that. But at the same time, there was a there was a SRO, a single room occupancy building in in uh, Brooklyn that my client got a really good deal on. Mm-hmm. That you, if if there was if it was empty, it would probably it probably be worth like two or three million dollars. Mm-hmm. He paid. A hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars for that's, it, that's but not a good deal. That's, a, that's oh, like a hold on, right? That's a steal. <laughs> right. But then came the litigation, all the litigation. Right. Okay, the, he he has since paid over a million, not to me, over a million dollars in attorney fees on all the various difficulties that came with the building. So he's still ahead of the game because it's it's worth two or three million dollars. Okay. But one lady claimed that. You know, she was a tenant there, and she, she, the reason how I got involved in this case is that she did an illegal lockout against my client. So she just showed up one day and said, um, she showed up and said that they, they they locked me out. She never had the keys. None of that. It was all it was all a lie. She was just related to some the to the prior owner, and um, she also took she also uh, filed a police complaint uh, called the police on my client. For uh, you know, because he had a, he he carries he carries, and she claims that he brandished a weapon. He would never do that. He, but um, it, that eventually was dropped because she never showed up to her uh, criminal cases, um, or cr- or criminal court appearances. And um, eventually, we just realized like I thought it was a slam dunk case case for us because she had no proof of anything, but it was just dragging out in court. And my client like just lost his patience and paid her a lot of money to just go away. So one client was willing to pay the money to go away, um, and the other one paid that money to my office oh, <laughs> instead wow. and got nothing out of it. Wow! It's very, yeah, so it was two wild cases that happened at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lisa? Um, my wildest case is probably my first case. Um, it was brought by the tenant of record against, um, he had met this woman on seekingarrangements.com. They went on a few dates. Um, (laughs) He's from Mississippi, a very nice older gentleman. And she somehow convinced him that when he comes to New York, he he should rent an apartment for her to stay with him. So he rents a $10,000 a month apartment. She stays there for about a month. He's in Mississippi. And she changes the locks, locks him out. He comes back to New York. She's ignoring his calls. She's not, she's not answering him. He doesn't understand what he did wrong. He went to the apartment. She won't let him in. Um, she ends up getting an order of protection against him. So he can't get back into the apartment. Basically, this woman lived in a $10,000 a month apartment, rent-free, while the tenant of record was paying the rent as not to ruin his credit. Right. And um, we ended up finally evicting her. But she lived beautifully for about two years. Oh, my gosh. And all the while, she was still seeking other arrangements um, (laughs) while at the apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, you know what? Who says landlord-tenant law is not sexy? (laughs) It's really, it really isn't. And, you know, oh, my God, especially in New York. Um, What due diligence can some landlords and brokers do to uh, minimize the risk of having to show up in landlord-tenant court? Uh I mean, we're limited since June 2019, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, there's not uh, there's not very much. I mean, what can we do with a credit check? But not can much. we not much? And um, I guess and you can't even ask them to put a higher security deposit down in case you you think this, this is a risky tenant because you're not allowed uh, you're not allowed to um, collect more than one month security. So it's really it's, I don't know if the answer to that how to answer that question. 
Do you have a... Yeah. So there's no real due diligence you could do against tenants. I mean, you could do like basic Google searches, I guess. There's nothing. Right. But what I always do recommend to my clients mm -hmm. is to do a little bit of due diligence on their buildings before giving leases. Because since June of 2019, we're seeing a, an influx of overcharge cases. And, you know, for rent overcharge on rent stabilized tenants. Right. Mm -hmm. I always tell my clients... Before issuing any leases, just make sure that your building's rent regulatory status is correct. And so we do a lot, a lot of due diligence for our clients okay. with regards to that in order to prevent these overcharges. Got it. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so what can a landlord legally do if a tenant is holding an apartment hostage by not cooperating, by giving access if an owner is selling? That's a big one, especially in my case. Yeah, actually, I remember we we dealt with that problem. That's how we that met. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's how we exactly. met, yeah. I don't know if this is the legal answer, but it's worked in the past, but sometimes it hasn't. So uh, what I tell my clients to do is put a either 48-hour or 72-hour conspicuous notice saying that we're coming in. You know, give them all contact information, your phone number, your email, everything, so they can get a hold of you. And if we don't, if you if you don't let us unwillingly, we'll change the locks, but we'll we'll have the key ready for you, if you do. The, the it's worked, but sometimes they call the police, and when they call the and once the police gets involved, it's you have to give it up. Just say okay, forget it. Here here's the key. We're not we're not the the, the police will today under you know the the, the current administration they'll just say like take it to housing court. You know if you want to get some sort of order, get it in housing court. But that's what I try to do first. Do you have an opinion on that? So we also recommend doing whatever notice is provided for in the lease, um, whether right. it's 48 hours, whether it's three days, whatever it is, um, and doing it correctly multiple times. Right. And then if not, we would start a breach of lease holdover. We would serve a notice to cure, followed by a termination. And usually once people get that termination notice, they're like, okay, you can, oh, yeah? show, you can show the unit. Right. So, that, so okay. So that just the, the chance of the only problem with that is that it just goes a little, it, it could be a long, you're in there yes. from the long haul. Okay, fine. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Right. And that's as long as the lease specifies that you have right. that the tenant has to provide access. Right. If not, that's why you got to make sure your leases are drafted properly. Right. right. So that's another. <laughs> so right. that's a that's another form of like a proper due, due, due diligence yes. is making sure your lease is uh, intact oh, yeah. and like reviewing with an attorney first, maybe. It's funny because a lot of clients they just like pull leases off the internet mm -hmm. or they just right. use forms and they don't want to spend the thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars to get an attorney to actually draft them with some thought and care. Um, and then it ends up impacting mm. them in the long run. That's like a good one. Spend the thousand dollars, and maybe you'll save yourself some time in the end. And that's at least that you can hold on forever. Yeah, and it's you, not, or you know, revise a little bit, but mm -hmm. we get. But for the most part, oh yeah, it, it, it's, it helps in the long run. Yeah. In all my cases, uh, there were like two or three family homes, and there, were, there was never a lease, like the, or the lease long expired and nobody had it. So, so it was a new owner. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I had to. That, that was my practical solution that I came up with. Or somebody else came up with and put it in my head. I don't remember, but, but yeah, I, I'm, uh, if there's a lease, of course, you know, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because then you have that possibility to do a lease uh, to a, a breach of lease holdover, you know. But in my case, there's no lease to, to breach. Right. You know, oh, it's just so then, yeah, yeah. You have, so does it make it more challenging for you? And so for the most part, you work with a lot of landlords, right? I work with all landlords, yeah, and small small landlords. Okay. So uh, at least I get the impression you deal with bigger landlords, more, with, uh, yeah, yeah. more rent stabilized okay. build uh, apartments. Mm -hmm. And I deal with like uh, two to three or four or five family homes. Right. Um, and a lot of times a, a, a buyer will not do his due diligence and he will take a house filled with occupants and he has no idea where they came from, whether they ever had leases 
and, and then he doesn't have that information because a lot of times they're short sales or they're they're um, foreclosures. So he doesn't know. Right. So um, so I'm <laughs> dealing with people who do who I can't use that breach of lease holdover, and we try to be a little bit more aggressive in a legal way. But if it doesn't work, you know, then we just have to play it out in court, and it's it, there's no good answer to it if 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 the tenants call the police and the police have it on record that they cited like yeah you got to go to court you know? right there's just right. no the uh, only way to just do it is just a long got to be in for the long haul in, in court do you see that in court uh in new york city housing court do you see that it uh if someone a landlord with a, with a lease or without a lease which, which one is more favorable in other words if the if there is no lease does it drag out longer the case drag out longer or if there is a lease you know it it saves on time because everything is like there and right nah, never, no? yeah it's, we don't think of it in those terms it's <laughs> okay. it's either rent stabilized or not rent okay. stabilized rent stabilized they have to have a lease and if they don't it's to the landlord's detriment if you don't mm-hmm. renew the lease because it's anyways renewed but not in your in 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 your term terms favorable to the landlord yeah. and a non-rent stabilized house which is uh, less than six apartments and or in a building Newer than 1971 or 74. It's like 74. totally 74. Yeah. Um, so, so those buildings, you don't have to give leases, but um, it, when you're doing a holdover because there's no lease mm-hmm. and which you cannot do in a rent stabilized building. So that's going to, it's going to, you know, take a while and it's not, it's not because there's no lease or there is a lease. Mm-hmm. You're, you're want to get rid of the occupant because there's no lease and there's nothing to protect that person anymore. But um, yeah, I don't think it, it, it's the courts don't favor whether there's a lease or not at least in a let's say non-rent stabilized apartment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that okay. I'm just yeah. going to interject. That really applies to holdovers. Um, right. There's certain counties like New York County. If yeah. you don't have a lease in effect, you cannot bring a non-payment. Right. No, that's for sure. So yeah. if you don't have a lease, okay, a, a written lease right. that's signed, right, in effect, you cannot bring a non-payment proceeding. They'll discontinue yeah. it. So in, in a, let's say you want to go after your tenant in your two-family house in right. your basement or not or a legal uh, apartment it has to be legal um for money owed then that's really it so either the either the court will dis- dismiss it because there's no lease or be- before that happens you can you part of the stipulation could be is that they you renew the lease and you give them a lease right. in court and then and and it's without prejudice to the money owed and if they get evicted because they didn't pay then that lease obviously doesn't doesn't hold up anything. So why is it that New York City Housing Court is one of the most challenging courts or, you know, uh, system when it comes to evicting tenants, uh, particularly because uh, New York comprises of many small landlords and um, New York is a landlord tenant friendly state. Uh, tenant friendly. I'm sorry. Tenant, <laughs> tenant, sorry. Yes. Tenant yeah, very friendly tenant friendly. Yeah. <laughs> very tenant. Right. So and. And I've encountered, and a lot of people that I know encountered, tenants who are professional tenants. Yes. They know how to play the system. They know how to maneuver and manipulate the law to their favor. Why is New York City Housing Court one of the most friendliest tenant? Uh, well, it's the voters. Courts. There's a lot, l- yeah. lot more voters who vote who are tenants. Mm-hmm. So they they um, they put in people that legislate very tenant friendly laws, and. Uh, until until that changes, that's never. So the the I mean, a housing court judge is appointed, right? He's not voted in, but he has to work within a framework of a very liberal, a very very tenant friendly liberal court system, and um, 
and usually housing court judges are they were um, legal aid attorneys before so so they're coming from a very tenant friendly um, environment but but it's interesting I, I think that like you know compared to like let's say um, Florida right in Florida you can get someone evicted in 10 days today during COVID okay during COVID. you send you send Whoa. a notice you send a notice if they don't go to court the 11th day the the sheriff comes and they're evicted okay so so that's so you may think that's okay that's crazy that's very like that's what you know there should be some medium right between let's say New York City and uh you know Nassau County by the way is not as bad Nassau County works within the framework of a very liberal tenant friendly legislator but they 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 deal with more small landlords and they, they, they therefore they they recognize this problem first because it's a very big problem for small mm-hmm. landlords but um in Florida you know you have this extreme and I w- and I was just thinking about one one time I was sitting in a doctor's office and I overheard two people talking one one guy was just he was complaining that he just lost his job nothing to do with landlord tenant but I just it's a very important sentence that I heard and the other guy said to him you know my rabbi told me that uh there are two things that we pray for that are that we want to be good but we really shouldn't and that's a good landlord and a good boss and the guy said like why shouldn't we why should i pray for a good landlord or a good boss he mm-hmm. said because a, a human being is self-actualized when he owns his own business and when he is his own landlord when he owns mm-hmm. his own house and florida you for you know you say it's like it's extreme landlord's dream but but the good thing about the Florida the the, the Florida um, mindset is that people should really start. You should never really just be a, a lifelong tenant. You should look should look forward to that dream of home ownership. It yes, it's more expensive, but it's but it, it, there's certain uh, uh, empower. It, it's just very empowering, and I see this all the time on like. Um, HGTV uh, last night like you know there was a there was a uh, I, I, I my my wife was actually watching I was right behind the screen but uh, eating I don't, I don't know who it was I, I uh, it, it, some lady was saying like you know I know that I, I didn't really want to rent I, I really wanted to rent and not own and I ended up going with ownership instead because and, and I feel so good about it I feel just I never felt like this before and and I knew exactly what she was talking about after I purchased my my house so so it's better to to be a to be a homeowner and uh, and and New York City and New York State has completely thrown that idea like a, a way where, where people tenants are empowered and and it's not good they're empowered to think that they actually own the building that they never invested in so the, so eventually everything deteriorates that way nobody's gonna you know I believe that if the market would um would do it you know if we leave it to the market to the harsh market. New York, um, eventually there would be a correction because you need people to flip burgers in New York City. You know, and you can't have people coming from an hour and a half to McDonald's, you know, in, in New York City. So there would be there would be low income housing there without without any regulation. That's that's my take on that. I mean, but that that's a long answer to your question about no, why. No, it was very uh, layered, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I want to address some of it. But yeah. um, wow, it was very layered. But <laughs> I, no, I think you can appreciate you yeah. for um, bringing the ownership part yeah. of the equation because. This is one of the main reasons why I created this podcast, which is to promote homeownership and promote uh, the ideology of knowing that owning empowers you. There's just so many benefits to owning. And um, unfortunately, not everyone is in a a position to own, right? And New York is the one of the most expensive states there is to purchasing a property. But at the same time, 
there are different dynamics. Everyone ha has a different story. Um, but the goal is to encourage everyone to become a homeowner. And for those who are not able to, to not, you know, do things like holding a property hostage if the owner needs to sell or not right. holding, not paying rent by will. If, you know, there, there's, there's a way to address every situation. And if you do it properly, then we wouldn't be in housing, uh, ten, uh, landlord tenant court facing the, the, the many challenges that small landlords face. So, um, I, I, I kept pausing because there are so many things well, I wanted to address. Just, with that. just yeah. to address what you just said, um, it's actually interesting because everybody believes that the HSTPA, you know, the laws that changed last June mm -hmm. were really, really pro-tenant and they were. But one interesting thing that happened was rent-stabilized tenants used to have a value in their leasehold. Mm -hmm. Like their leasehold used to be worth a lot of money, meaning landlords would want to come in and buy them out so that they can deregulate. Um, that doesn't exist anymore because now rent-stabilized units are staying rent-stabilized. So all these people that thought that they had such a, a great value in their New York rent-stabilized apartment no longer have that anymore because the landlords don't want it back. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting because all that value that, that leaseholds used to have doesn't exist anymore. So the only way to get value out of your property is to own it right. at this right. point. Right, right. It's it's also it's just another ironic thing. I don't know. I don't know for you. I know for myself, they they extended the eviction notice from. It used to be seventy two hours in all through New York, and then it became, um, for the city it was six day notice, six mm -hmm. business days, and then June two thousand nineteen it was two weeks. Right. I have more evictions between June two thousand nineteen and March of two thousand twenty than I had in the same period the year before, and. I, and the only way I can explain it is that when you give people too much time, they they keep pushing it off. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing they know, they get evicted. It was like this was to, here to help the tenants. And I like I couldn't get over how many evictions I had in that in that short period compared to actually the whole from from June 2018 to June 2019. It was more there were more evictions, more successful evictions oh, so more after successful. the after yeah. they had after they tried to help the tenants. Right, right, right. Because of the, I, and I believe it's because of that two week thing. They waited too long and then the next thing you know they got they didn't expect <laughs> to get evicted and that, that's the thing. Like yeah. you said, it's the whole uh feeling empowered. They feel right, okay, right. oh it's gonna be my favor right. and then things change. Yeah. Um so what some what are some mediation strategies uh that you can recommend prior to getting into court? Like, you know, some people just they they already know they don't want to be in court. They already know that it's going to be pro-tenant or, you know, it's going to drag out. What What are some strategies you could recommend to some landlords and, tenant, and tenants? I, I'll tell you, there's not very much because, first of all, if you're just going to go mediation, strict mediation, like the way you assume mediation is that you have somebody, uh, let's say an attorney volunteer his time, you're not get, you need a judgment of possession to get a warrant. And in order to get that judgment of possession, you have to go to court. Okay. So you're still going to have to go through. You're just you're just delaying a proceeding that's going to take a long time, even more. Um, so the only other way around this is the buyout, cash for keys, mm -hmm. and and that all depends on the market. And there's, there's so many equations like that go into play. Um, I've you know you could have somebody who's who's not even rent stabilized, holding out on a building, holding out living in a building. And the developer wants to buy, you know, buy and tear down that building. He, he has a limited time to do that and turn it into a billion-dollar profit, right? right? And I, I, I have I have a colleague who 
successfully got $25 million for that, that tenant who wasn't even protected by rent stabilization because they just, the, the time was of the essence. They didn't have time to go through the courts to, to get rid of this guy. Was this in Brooklyn? This was in Manhattan. Okay, I, I, I mean, it's, it, you could Google it. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, I, I, no, I, no, right, I, can't, I can't remember his name. He That, that particular attorney actually has a very high um, uh, malpractice insurance because every time <laughs> every time he successfully yeah, negotiates yeah. these buyouts, and yeah. they're huge. Right. They're, this guy used to be a Bronx, uh, I can't, it's, his name is not coming to me. He's an older man, yeah. um, Bronx legal aid attorney, and he's wow. like turned it around into a, like a, wow. a big... But every time he gets these huge buyouts, they still sue him because they they, they could have gotten more. So like he has the, his, the, the, t- the, t- the tenants, the, yeah. The clients yeah. would sue him saying they could have gotten more. After they got, yeah, they, 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 they're like $25 million, you could have got me $100 million. It's Are always, that's how his, how high is, is malpractice insurance. I tell my Brooklyn and Queens uh, clients, you know, um, you're not, we're not dealing with that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, we don't have to worry about that. But, um, I mean, I, 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 as I defended tenants, I once, the, I, I, there was a guy who um, who bought a, his house for a million dollars in Brooklyn, a little bit less than that. His, by the time, 15 years later, he wanted to sell, it went up in value to like 1.8, mm-hmm. okay? Um, there was a buyer who was who wanted that house and wanted that house right away. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to pay 2.4 for it. Mm-hmm. So that's six, uh, you know, $600,000 over the, the market. Mm-hmm. And the, the landlord contacts my friend who's the tenant, says, you got to be out in 30 days by text. And he calls me like he's scared out of his mind. And I tell him that's not the way it works. You know, you got to... He's got to do this properly. Mm-hmm. He's got to do it as a process server, and you want to make some money. So he, my friend was very nervous about it. He didn't like. He didn't. He didn't want to be that kind of tenant. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, he he did have expenses to move as quickly as it was necessary. And this guy was gonna. If my friend held out, right, the deal was off, and he would lose a, a potential an additional six hundred uh, six hundred thousand dollars above the market, which was you know he. he he would have lost a huge deal. So I, I tried to get, I try, I, I'm not going to lie, I tried to get $50,000 for this guy. My friend was extremely uncomfortable with this. He said, just at the end of the day, I'm okay with just getting the money that I need to get to the next place, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And we ended up settling, settling for substantially less than that. And uh, I, could, I, I, I have no doubt that had I pushed it, I would have gotten close to that because right. that was what the, the deal was worth. Wow. You know? Wow. Uh, so what are some mediation strategies that you could recommend? So I actually find that mediation yeah. strategies work better with commercial tenants. Mm. Um, oh, do they? I never, I, I have no experience with that. Yeah. So, please, so I yeah, do a lot of commercial landlord-tenant right. work, right. and I find that first reaching out to the tenant okay. and trying to work out some sort of deal, payment plan, deferral plan, you know, waiving some rent, usually works out better because technically a commercial tenant if they don't pay their rent, you can end their lease and they would be responsible for the remainder of their leasehold. You can right. bring a co- conditional limitations holdover. So I find that commercial tenants are more apt to, to trying to settle outside of court before getting to court because they have more to lose. Oh, I, was heard, I heard that. And, they, and they're represented or they're not? I mean, I've done, I've done commercial cases. I've never don't, 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 don't done this kind of mediation before. That's interesting. Yeah. So usually if you reach out to a tenant, they immediately sign you to a lawyer okay. because they have to get a lawyer to represent them in court right. anyway because 99% of the time they're corporations, so they have somebody that'll negotiate for them. But sometimes, you know, we, you know, they negotiate on their own behalf. And I've done, I've actually been super busy 
um, May, June, July, August doing lease amendments for commercial tenants, you know, giving them a little bit of a waiver, a deferral, you know, amending their lease terms a little bit rather than waiting in order to litigate because mm -hmm. we can't even start a commercial non-payment until August 20th. So, so I find yeah. mediation works better or, you know, just trying to get in there and, and work things out with right. commercial tenants before residential. residential. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> residential yeah. tenants, I mean, sometimes once they get a notice, they'll reach out to the landlord. Right. We always say serve the notice to mm -hmm. preserve your claims. Right. But it's harder to it's harder because they know that they have a strong position. Right. Right. Wow. So um got it. Yeah. yeah. There's Welcome a lot. to New York. I know. Oh my god. That's what a lot of people don't want to own in New York uh investment properties just because of this this reason. Um it's just not favorable. Uh on Jersey on the other hand, isn't Jersey like more way more favorable to landlords than it than on New York? Uh, yeah, it, like I, they claim that it's not, but uh, so far every time from anybody I, uh, every landlord that I've spoken to from New Jersey, they they said they it's way easier. Yeah, easier so right. I mean, I went to a CLE, a continuing legal mm -hmm. education class for um for right. for landlord tenant in New Jersey just okay. to get an idea of what it's all about, and they were, try, they like tried to scare us out of like how landlord tenant is like terrible in New Jersey, and then I ever every time I speak to somebody who owns property, they're like. That was just a. They're just trying to get you out of practice. They <laughs> oh. they don't want you to do their practice. That's all. Okay. It's okay. it's it like goes a lot smoother. Goes a lot faster. Okay. What is the Safe Harbor Act? I'll let you. Um. Yeah. So I guess it was back in June or was it July? Um. Governor Cuomo signed into law the Safe Harbor Act, yeah. which essentially means that any tenant that was affected by COVID nineteen, which is probably every single person in the state of New York. As long as they can prove that they were affected, either they got unemployment mm -hmm. or some other way they were affected, mm -hmm. they cannot be evicted for non-payment of rent um, from their homes. So the only remedy a mm -hmm. landlord would have would be to get a money judgment against them, not a possessory judgment, meaning the landlord can't get back their apartment, but they can get a money judgment against the client. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like bringing a plenary action against, against the tenant. But they're not getting their money anytime soon because they're probably not. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. experiencing hardship. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, um, so, so that money judgment goes on their credit report, or how? you could garnish wages up to ten percent every month. You could uh, go if you find a bank account with a lot of money, you could take it from there. But good luck to that. You know, if they don't have the money, they they don't have the money. They don't have the money it's yeah. like you know, squeezing water out of a rock. Right. Um, yeah, but you cannot evict based on that. So if someone fails to pay whatever that money judgment is. Like I said, you're limited to going into their bank account or um, if you find it or garnishing up to 10% of their wages if they work on the books. So if they don't work on the books, then you're not getting any money. And, and, if they're, and you're not be able to, you won't be able to get it from disability, SSI or, you know, any of those things, any government um, in, income, you're not, you're not, you're, those are wow. protected. And this is indefinite. Yeah. So what I've been suggesting to a bunch of my clients yeah. who have like high rent tenants mm -hmm. um, is possibly bringing an ejectment action in Supreme, meaning if they have over a certain amount of 25000 to mm -hmm. go into Supreme Court, mm -hmm. um, they can file a, an action for money in Supreme Court and then include with that um, a cause of action to eject if it's, if it's not being paid. Um, but Supreme Court actions take a long time. They're expensive. There's yeah. discovery. 
Um, but that's one way, you know, you can evict for large sums of money. Wow. Wow. Okay. So what do you foresee happening in the next year with uh, all these cases being backlogged? And obviously it doesn't look like there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel anytime soon, especially um, people right now, we are talking about parents, especially talking about sending the, whether we should send our kids to school or do remote lear- learning. So right. now, you know, uh, this has been extended to the state has been extended, extended to October 4th. At first, yeah. First, yeah. But it's uh, it's going to be extended. After right. That. I agree. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we just, it's just everything is so indefinite. So but what do you foresee sometime next year? What kind of do you have any uh, I'm just laughing because right before I came into um, this podcast, my wife calls me and she says, make sure to somehow get in there that you do closings also. Okay. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, how am I going to fit that in? She says, just find a way to fit that in. And like, now would be an appropriate time to to get that in there because uh, pretty much my L&T practice is is maybe a few percentage points of of what it was before COVID. Like if I I was, you know, 100%, 100% before COVID, it was like 3 three or 4%. Like all I'm doing right now is notices. And bottom line is clients are not giving me cases until they know that there's going to be results. And I can't tell them there are going to be results right now. So, so yeah, if you, uh, if you, if you need any closing, if you need me to represent you on any closings, please, you know, uh, let me have that opportunity. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking to, for other things you know cash for keys as we spoke before i'm trying to convince my clients to do it okay um i would never have that conversation unless they brought it up before covid but Mm -hmm. now i'm talking about it all the time so those i can make money off of too but uh but yeah uh, right now i don't know as far as landlord tenant right i I just don't know no thank you for your transparency wow and what about you? I mean, at some point, all these cases are yeah. going to have to be brought. Money is going to have to be collected. Right. So right now we're not very busy. And I thank God that my firm has other areas of law. Right. We do DHCR work. We do law work. Right. I mean, right. Supreme Court work. But landlord-tenant work right now is pretty much at a almost a halt. But at some point, someone's going to have to pay them for where they're living. Right. I mean, this can't go on forever. So I think maybe in 2022 we're going right. to be really, really busy. <laughs> really busy, right? <laughs> wow. I mean, the city and the state needs their ta- their property right, taxes. Right. They, they they need to uh, and trans uh, you know transfer taxes. It's not in their interest to to keep this going indefinitely. It's really not. But uh, you know, uh, hopefully money will talk over and bring some common sense to this conversation. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> I want to thank the both of you, uh, Lisa Fahim Selzer and uh, Nelson Abrams. I want to thank the both of you for uh, spending thank this you. time and thank answering you. these questions, thank these must, much needed questions. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, there's so many unanswered and uncertainties and so much going on. But um, so, Lisa, if anyone wants to reach Lisa, she's a partner at Crooker. I'm sorry. Crooker Marino and our skin bins. OK. OK. Good. There you go. Thank you. And Nusson is uh, Pri- uh, the law office of Nusson T. Abrams. PC. There we go. There we go. So can you please uh, leave your contact info so that they of can course. reach you? Yep. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I no, really appreciate no, it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, please share your information. Yes. Uh, your email address and your phone number. Oh. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> so my email is lselzer at cookermarino.com. That's K-U-C-K-E-R marino.com. One word. 
And my phone is 212-869-5030. And we are in Midtown. My email address is nossen, N-O-S-S-O-N, at N, as in Nancy, T as in Tom, A-B-R-A-M-S, P as in Peter, C as in Kat, dot com, and nossen at ntabramspc.com. And my phone number is, um, and my office is 646-937-8330. Call me there and you'll, if I, you don't get me there, I'll, I'll hear the message and I'll call you right back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank I you. appreciate you, both of sure. you. And uh, yeah, so feel free to send me an email if you have any questions at jmorealty at gmail.com. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.